Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. would have come and died and shed his blood for me that I might have salvation. That one or three reason was me. What a great song. Turn if you would in your Bibles to Jude chapter nothing. Jude chapter nothing. The smallest book of the Bible has no chapters. Jude will be in verse 1. Jude verse 1. And so uh, we had uh, picked a theme out for the year, uh, making a difference and out of Jude uh, chapter 1 verse 22. And uh, we preached on it a couple times in the spring, and or actually in January, February of last year. And then uh, normally I have a preaching calendar that I, I kind of follow, uh, that I plan the previous, you know, ready to go. And that kind of got thrown out the window, and like a lot of your plans, a lot of your uh, things because of the COVID, and and rightly so. I mean, we we really switched to preaching on how to how to handle detours in life, and how to handle uh, testings, and how to handle distress, and we did a lot of preaching on Romans 8, 28 and, and uh, the disciples there on the Sea of Galilee and got how the Lord uh, came to them and rescued them and helped them. And uh, myself and Brother Wiggins both did a lot of preaching on, on just uh, hopefully, I, I pray prayerfully that it helped you as we, we traverse through the thing, uh, all of this. But I do want to get back to our theme, and I, it's such an appropriate theme for the day and age which we live in, and so I want to encourage you in this way. So let's look at Jude verse 1. Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God and the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. really just want to deal with that very first part of verse 1. Jude, the servant, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. The servant. I, I think about uh, our first responders as servants. And by the way, I just want to say that we, uh, we support uh, without any uh, hesitation uh, our, our first responders. Uh, there are a part of our society today who have forgot, and uh, they, they uh, I, I don't understand. We, we back our first responders, we back the blue, and then we're so proud uh, and proud of them, and we want to be a blessing to them. Amen. On that note, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, bless the time, bless the reading of your word. I pray as we look at uh, being a servant, God, that you remind us of uh, your son Jesus, who was the servant of servants. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at Jude, verse 22, real quick, our theme for the year. The verse says, And some having compassion, making a difference. And some having compassion, making a difference. I want to point out that uh, as a servant, you can make a real difference. Again, I think about those who are part of the first responders who, who are making and, and do make a great and wonderful difference. The book of Jude, I do want to give you kind of a background of the book as we're going to be studying the book of Jude the next few weeks. Uh, verse by verse, by the way, we'll, we'll just walk through the book of Jude. And the central idea of the book is contending for the faith. Look at verse, look at verse 3. Beloved, look at verse Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
And that's the central idea of the book is uh, Jude is encouraging Christians to contend for the faith. We understand as we preached last year, uh, our theme last year was continue out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we talked about there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 where it says we're living that in in the last days perilous times shall come. And we are living in the last days. 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 3 talks about there will be scoffers in the last days. And in the last days we need to stand firm. In the last days we need to continue in the faith. In these last days we need to contend for the faith. The book of Jude is a vestibule into the book of Revelation. What? The book of Revelation is about the end times. And so the book of Jude is saying, hey, we need to be ready for the end times. We need to understand that we're living in the end times. And so it's the vestibule into that. I, uh, I watch the news, but I don't watch the news as often as I used to. But primarily I watch the news to watch the weather. I'm just old. That's, I'm, I'm that way. I just want to watch the weather. So you, you know, sometimes about 10, 7, 10, 16, 10, 17, I turn Channel 5 on, I watch the weather. Used to be David Finfrock until he started coughing and then he started retiring, but uh, he's, still, he's still there somewhat. But uh, watch the weather. But now I have an app. I have like three of them on my phone. I can see what the weather's going to be and uh, I, I want to know what's going on. I, I just, I, just that way, I want to know what the weather's going to be. Someone has said that the book of Jude is the weather forecast for the last days. I like that analogy. It's the weather forecast for the last days. You want to see what the last days are going to be like? What the forecast is? Here it is. Here it is. Living in the last days, we're to contend for the faith. We are to beware. Beware of the apostates. Those who, are, who have forsaken uh, the Lord and those who are fakes. And sometimes it's friends. We need to be careful. So our duty is to contend for the faith and to be aware of dangers. And the danger is of apostates. And we'll go through that in the next few weeks. As we again think about making a difference, we can make a difference as a servant. He says Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, describes himself as a servant. Who is, who is Jude, the servant? I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 6. I do want you to see this. Normally on a Sunday morning, I, I don't have you turn to a lot of scripture. But I do want you to turn to this one. Usually I, I quote it or I, I just read it. But uh, I want you to look at this one because I think it, uh, we haven't mentioned this in a while. Look at, uh, again, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, And he, that is Christ, went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. Verse 2. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying... From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. just want to point that out, that Jude here, we're identifying Jude as the half-brother of Jesus. He was the, half, he was the brother of James, again, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Notice here that Mary and Joseph, after the virgin birth of Jesus, that's why we call James and we call Jude the half-brother of Jesus because Jesus had no earthly father. He was born of a virgin, born of a virgin. But after the virgin birth, 
The Bible makes it very clear that Mary and Joseph had other children, that they had, they had sons and they had daughters, plural. And uh, there is a, a certain religion out there who kind of teaches that Mary was not a sinner and Mary was so forth. I'm just telling you, Mary was a sinner just like me. Amen. Now, she was absolutely a, a vessel of honor that God used and a, a chosen of God, but had children, had, had boys and had girls. And, and so, but here we're identifying Jude. And by the way, the, the word Jude is also Judah, Jude, uh, Ju, uh, Judah, Jude, or Judas. All those words, uh, all those names are the same. Uh, and there was a very popular Hebrew Hebrew name. If you were called Jude or Judas or Judah, it was a popular name. And so here it is, again, Jude, the, the half-brother of Jesus. Let me just make clear again, the virgin birth is necessary Amen. for us in order that we might have salvation. Jesus Christ had no sin nature. He was born without a, a sinful nature because he had no earthly daddy. And we get our sinful nature from our dad. Sorry, guys. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And so Jesus Christ didn't have an earthly dad. And so born of a virgin, but that's Jude now. He grew up in the home of Jesus Christ. His, his half-brother was Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it clear in the New Testament that the, those brothers, James and those, did not really quite understand. They did not really believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior until the resurrection. And the resurrection changed their, their, their faith. It changed their understanding. Uh, you say, well, how's that? Well, think about Peter, how the resurrection changed Peter's life. I mean, Peter, at the trial of Jesus, denied the Lord three times. They came to him and said, hey, Peter, aren't you one of his followers? No, I'm not one of his followers. They came to him a second time and said, hey, Peter, aren't you one of his followers? No, I'm not one of his followers. You got, you're mistaken. I, the third time they came to him, somebody came to him and said, hey, aren't you one of his followers? And that time he said, no, I'm not. And he began to curse. And then the, and then the uh, rooster crowed, remember? And he remembered his heart was smitten. Fifty days later, fifty days after the resurrection of Christ, fifty days after the resurrection of Christ, there was a great difference in Peter. <laughs> Peter stands up in, in the city of Jerusalem with thousands who had gathered, thousands who had gathered for the day of Pentecost, for the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of, of Pentecost, he preached to thousands, and 3,000 people got saved. And I want you to know his sermon wasn't some kind of, you know, milk toast sermon. I mean, he got up and he preached. You can read it in Acts chapter 2. He preached, hey, to that huge crowd of the thousands, he said, you murdered the Messiah. He said that. I mean, he said, you killed the Messiah. The Messiah, you killed the Savior. You killed the one who raised the dead and, and healed the sick. As a, as a proof that he was indeed the Messiah. You've missed the Holy Spirit of promise. And the Bible says there in Acts 2 that many believed. In fact, so much so that 3,000 pe people got saved that day. I'm telling you, the resurrection changed Peter's life and changed Jude's life as well. So we see the servant's identity, Jude, the servant, the half-brother of Jesus. Number two, we see the servant. He says there, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. And this is where we'll spend our time. And I'm, I'm looking at the clock and it's really going fast. And uh, this, this subject really, as I studied, it became just such a big subject that we'll have to revisit it again. But the word servant. In the Bible, we have many different analogies or metaphors to help us understand our, understand who we are in Jesus Christ. In other words, 
I'm reminding you this morning that if you're saved, if you're a child of God, that your identity is in Jesus Christ. And then the Bible describes the followers of Christ. In other words, it gives us analogies or identities to help us understand what it means to be a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? And and then it gives us some ideas of, of that. Number one, the Bible describes followers of Jesus as aliens and strangers. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen? I'm just passing through. This world is my home. Aliens and strangers. It, it, the Bible describes the child of God as a citizen of heaven. A citizen of heaven. Uh, there's a song that Johnny Flanagan sang. By the way, be in prayer for Johnny Flanagan. He's been put on hospice. He's 85 years old now. And I, I just pray for him and, Miss, uh, and uh, his wife. But he sang a song called, I'm already over on the other side. Waiting for my brand new body. Sitting up there in the heavenly fair at the right hand of the Father. My citizenship's in heaven. I'm living in Christ, you see. For I'm already over on the other side waiting for my body to be. Well, I took a look in the old black book. I learned all those songs when I was a kid. Our, our citizenship's in heaven. We're already on the other side. Listen, this world isn't my home. And these are ways in which we identify as Christians. The Bible describes us, in fact, Jesus did, as we are lights. The child of God is a light. Jesus said, ye are the lights of the world. We ought to be a light. We are joint heirs and heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our big brother. And that's not being sacrilegious. That's what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is our brother. We are joint heirs with him, adopted into the family of God. Listen, when we say that you are a brother or you're a sister, it, it's, it's, it's really true. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is our brother. And then the Bible describes us as sheep. The Bible, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and know me and they follow me. It's a way in which we can understand better who we are as a child of God. The Bible describes us as being ambassadors of Jesus Christ, friends of the Lord. But more than any other, analogy, more than any other metaphor, more than any other comparison to help us to understand who we are as a child of God is the word servant. And I, I believe in my own heart what's happened over the years is I've read, so, I've read over the word so many times that it doesn't impact me. It's used over a thousand times in the Bible. And so it just, we just kind of skip over it. Yeah, a servant of Jesus Christ. Abraham was a servant of God. Moses was a servant of God. David was a servant of God, and it uses those words to describe the great patriarchs and the great King David. In the New Testament, Paul says in Philippians 1, a servant of Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 1, verse 1, a servant. And Paul uses it many times that in identifying himself as a servant and then identifying Christians as servants over and over and over again that we are the servants of God. So a Christian's identity is found in Christ. It's all about him, by the way, not about us. It's all about him, not about us. And we are to die to self. We are his servants. Again, this metaphor. Servant in the Greek and the Hebrew means slave. That's what it means. And translators translated servant, and I'll tell you why they did so, because it means bond slave. It's more than just a slave, it's a bond slave. I'm going to describe what that is. And so in first century A.D., one-fifth of the population of Rome, of the empire of Rome, 
One-fifth of the population was slaves. One-fifth. As many as 12 million slaves in the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus Christ. 12 million. And I'll just, as an aside, say of all nationalities, too. Of all different ethnicities. All different colors. Mankind has been enslaving other, other humans throughout all, since the beginning. And it's wrong. It's, it's terrible. The Bible certainly doesn't condone it. But the Roman Empire was dependent upon slaves of that time. But the slave here referred to is really referring to what the Bible describes as a bond slave. A bond slave is a slave who served out of free will. In other words, they served because they, they wanted to. They, they served because they loved their owner. And the uh, identifying or the, if you would, the reference point to that is found in, you can read it yourself, it's found in Exodus 21, 6, and also in Leviticus 15, verse 17. So in the Levitical law, the, the law said that every seventh year, all the Hebrew slaves were to be released. So if you were a Hebrew, you were a slave, uh, then in, in Israel, in the, in the nation of Israel, every seventh year, you were, you were set free. Now, the Hebrew slaves were slaves because of indebtedness or because they broke the law and they were paying back something that they had stolen or whatever the case is. But every seventh year, no matter what, they were released. They were set free. Well, God made a provision in there that those who did not want to be set free, those who wanted to stay in the house where they were a slave, could do so. And it was called being a bond slave. And what they would do is they would take that individual and they would put their earlobe you know, on the side of a door and they would punch a hole in it. And that hole in their, in their ear was the indication that that person was a slave, but more importantly, a bond slave. A slave because they wanted to be one. Because they loved their owner. And there's other... other um, there, there, there are other things in connection with that. We don't have time to go over the whole thing, but a bond slave. And so when you see in your Bible, when, J, when Jude here is saying, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, that word servant right there means bond slave. It means Jude was a servant, not because he had to be, not because he was in chains and being made to do what he wanted to do. He was a servant because he wanted to be a servant, because he loved his master, because he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a servant of his own volition, a slave because he wanted to be. So, what is a servant? And again, what is a slave? Let's describe that, let's describe that, uh, that predicament. What is it? Well, number one, stay with me now, it means ownership. In other words, a slave is the property, a prop, is, is property. Property in absolute control over the owner. In other words, a slave is an absolute property. The owner has absolute authority over the slave. I think this is the most important one, so listen up and listen fast. We are all born slaves of sin. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Acts, Romans. We are born slaves of sin. We're born slaves to sin. We are born slaves. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 17. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, slaves of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that form of teaching which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the slaves, the servants of righteousness. Paul said, ye were the servants or the slaves of sin, but when accepting Christ as your Savior, you became a servant or the slave of righteousness. Can I tell you, there's only, there's only two. <laughs> a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. There's not a third choice. You're either a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. You're either a slave of sin and Satan, you're a slave of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a third choice. You're born to this world a slave of, of sin. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes boss. He's Lord. I say, well, preacher, that's, that's kind of a, a rough analogy. That's a rough metaphor. That's, I don't know that I want to be a slave to anybody. I don't know that I want to be a servant as you're describing it. You don't have a choice. You're either a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. It's just the way it is. By the way, sin is a terrible master. Sin is a terrible master. Sin never satisfies. Sin never brings peace. Satan never brings peace. Satan can never... His, his, his imps, his, his, uh, his strategy will never satisfy you. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Being a slave to sin and Satan himself is a terrible situation. Illustrated by the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil and, and sin, the taskmaster. See, the children of Israel were in Egypt 400 years. At the end of the 400 years, they began to be put in bondage, began to be put in slavery by the Egyptians. And they put over the Israelites' taskmasters and put them in slave. And the children of Israel cried out for for mercy and God heard their cry and thankfully sent Moses to deliver them out from under the slavery of the Egyptians. Again, a picture of being delivered from the slave market of sin. I was redeemed. I was bought back from the slave market of sin when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Children of Israel, when they came out of, from Egypt, they, be, they were the, the slave of Egypt. Now they became in the possession of Egypt and Pharaoh when they came out of Egypt, they became the slave or the servant or the possession of the Lord. They became the possession of the Lord. Can I remind you this morning, Christian, you've been bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, We have been bought with the price. Wherefore, glorify God in your body. We've been freed from sin. Freed from sin. Romans chapter 6. We've become servants of Righteousness. Sin is a hard taskmaster. The, tra- the way of the transgressor is hard. The Lord's way is the best way. Illustrated this way, most of you remember the verse found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Remember Samson, the story of Samson in the Old Testament? Samson was a mighty man, a mighty man was he, right? He was a mighty man. God had, uh, he was a Nazarite from, his, from the womb, and God had given him great strength. The Lord had come upon him, and he could do mighty things. And he killed thousands of Philistines. He picked up the, he picked up the gates of a city and carried them on his back. I mean, just a mighty, mighty man. But sin got him. And sin bound him. They bound him. And they took him. And they put him in the place of grinding grain. They took the ox away from the, the, grind, the mill, took the ox away, and put Samson in the yoke that the oxen would, would, would normally be in and made Samson move that mill and grind grain. And the, and the, the outline is, that sin binds, they bound him, they bound him, they blinded him, they, they plucked out his eyes, and then sin grinds. He ground, ground there, he just, at the meal, just walking in circles, walking in circles. Listen, sin is a terrible taskmaster. Satan's a terrible taskmaster. Master. Life was meant to be endured, enjoyed, not endured. Most people live day to day Get up in the morning, go to work, blah, 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 come home, sleep, blah, 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 and just grind. Just grind it out. Just grind it out. Grind it out. Grind it out. Grind it out. Never, never have joy, per se. Never be never satisfied. Oh, from time to time they're able to get away. From time to time they're able to, to take a trip or, or watch a game or whatever. They can, they, they can have some release, but there's no fulfillment in their life. Listen, life was meant to be fulfill, fulfilling. Life was meant to be enjoyed. Can I tell you, you can have that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because listen, the yoke of sin and Satan are hard, but the yoke of Jesus is easy. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm telling you, the Lord's the best way. <laughs> I'd rather be a servant of, of the Lord any day than be the servant of sin and Satan. Much easier route. Much easier Ownership. A slave is owned. A, a slave is to submit. In other words, uh, it's described as being submissive, submission. In other words, the slave is to obey in all things. To obey in all things. By the way, one of the evidences that you're saved is obedience to the Lord and that you follow the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.20, we just read, says that we should glorify God in our bodies. Romans 12.1 says that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're to present ourselves, we're to be submissive to him, obeying him. We are his servant. 2 Timothy 2.21 says we are to be vessels meet for the master's use. That means we are to be vessels fit for God to use. We are his servant. And may we always obey him. Always obey him. Number three, devotion. Devotion. A slave is to be devoted and have one concern, and that is to carry out the will of his master. We are to please our heavenly father to obey him. Matthew 22 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. One of the verses says, You can't serve two masters. You either love the one or hate the other. You can't serve God and fill in the blank. Money, 
Can't serve God in a job. Can't serve God, God in sports. No, you serve one or the other. Number four is dependence. Where a slave is dependent upon his master for all the basic necessities, their, where their meal comes from, where their, where their housing comes from. In other words, the, actually, the slave has no, no worries. Everything's, their necessities are given to them. Can I remind you this morning that if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you, Jesus said. If you'll seek the kingdom of God first, then God will make sure, God will, he's promised to provide every need that you have, every necessity you have, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then lastly, accountability. We're to please the owner. Why? Because we're accountable to him. We're accountable to him. It's the master's evaluation it's the master's evaluation that matters. The master's evaluation is the only evaluation that does matter. So I don't have to please my wife. I, I don't have to please even this church. My primary goal is to please the Father. If I please the Father, then the Bible says my relation to my fellow man will be right as well. I, I just need to please Jesus. I please, as a servant, just please Him. Just please Him. By the way, Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5 says we'll give an account someday before God. We're accountable to him. And when I get to heaven one day, I want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear from the master. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Christian, this morning, we have the greatest servant as our example, Jesus Christ. Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as king. Mark's gospel presents Jesus as the servant of servants. There are more miracles recorded in the book of Mark than any of the other books because it's presenting Christ as a servant, that he was there to serve. He is there to serve. I, again, we think about Jesus Christ being that example for us. He was submissive to his Father. He said, I do always those things which please the Father. He, was, he became a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Who being in the form of God, talking about Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, came to this earth in flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, the God of all mankind, the God of the universe, became flesh, lived a sinless life for 33 and a half years. He became, the God of the universe became flesh. He humbled himself. He became a servant. You understand that, right? In Matthew 20, he says to his disciples, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a, a ransom. And then guess what he did in the upper room? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. The God of the universe, the God who made them, stooped down and did the, did the job of a slave. He did the job of a servant to be an example to his disciples. Hey, listen, we are to serve. If you're going to make a difference, if you want to make a true difference, follow the example of Jesus. Serve others around you. Serve others around you. Look for opportunities to do good for someone else. <clears throat> the Bible says Jesus went about doing good. What a great example for us. So not only are we servants of, of the Lord, but Jesus was the greatest servant of all mankind. He was the greatest servant ever. I mean, I mean, we walk in his steps. Listen, Christian, this morning, we're servants of the Lord. He, he owns us. He paid the price for us on Calvary.
hope you know you're saved this morning. I hope you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. The best decision you'll ever make in your life is to accept Him as, as, as Lord and Savior. Come to Him. You want a fulfilling life? Come to Jesus. You want a yoke that's easy and the burden's light? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We're to be submissive to Him as Christians, obeying Him, being devoted to Him, carrying out His will, dependent upon Him, knowing that if we'll do for others, if we'll serve others, that God will take care of us. We're accountable to him. And one day we'll stand before him and give an account for our works. Not for our sin, but for our works, whether they be good or bad. By the way, we skip over that. We, don't, we, don't, we take that kind of lightly. You're going to stand before the God of the universe and give an account someday as a Christian, as a servant. Jesus Christ is our example in the service. Again, he went about doing good. He loved. He made a difference by serving. Healed the blind raise the dead. We may not be able to heal the blind and raise the dead, but we can, we can mow somebody's yard. We can tell somebody about Jesus. We can be kind to our co-workers and, and uh, share the gospel with them. And this time, more than ever, we ought to be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that's within us and serve others around us. Galatians 5.13 says, but by love serve one another. Make a difference by serving. By serving. Let's all stand. Hymn 500, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. May the Lord touch your heart this morning. Maybe that still small voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, encouraging you in the area of service. Maybe this morning there was something here that you know, jogged your memory and, uh, and just reminded you of something you ought to come and pray about, some sin in your life. Sin binds, blinds, and grinds. Boy, sin is a hard taskmaster. You're either a servant of sin or a servant of righteousness. I'm thankful that when I got saved, God gave me victory over the penalty of sin and over the power of sin, Romans chapter 6. You don't have to live a defeated life. You can live a victorious life in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we've had around your word. I pray again you would, by your spirit, empower us to live a life of a servant, to serve others. But more importantly, Lord, may you empower us to serve you, to serve you. I pray that you would empower us to please you, to obey you, depend upon you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's watching on the internet or they're here in the, in the auditorium and have never accepted Christ as their Savior, Lord, would you give them courage to step forward, to ask a question, Lord, that they might be saved. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.